Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse this morning. I'm going to get in the middle here. It is so good to see everybody here, whether you're here in person or we want to give a shout out to Fostori and others who are listening via the live stream. We're just glad everybody's here this morning uh, to worship God uh, together. Um, If I've not met you before, my name is Larry Sewell. I'm one of the elders here uh, at the house. Now, wasn't that a great video from Esteban, uh, Steve? Yeah, it was a great trip. I wish that every person that's in the room today uh, could have been there with us to watch what was God, God was doing uh, both in us as well as through us as we uh, met with people in the streets of Columbia for a full week down there. We were 14 of us together, seven from Lighthouse and seven from other churches all together uh, in the streets. Uh, we watched so many people say yes to Jesus, literally hundreds of people. And uh, when you think about that, uh, it's, it's a miracle that God... Uh, works in a person's life when they move from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. And we know that many, many people, hundreds of people were praying for us while we were gone. And somehow, I'm not sure that I can wrap my head around it completely, but the God who created us, the God of the universe, uh, in his sovereignty, in his infinite, somehow uh, he hears and responds to the prayers of his people. God's not far away, but instead... He hears us when we pray. Uh, We're in the fourth week of a five-week series uh, on learning to pray, uh, removing the barriers that keep us uh, from prayer. And today we're talking about uh, praying with and for each other. And for that, we're going to talk about uh, Colossians chapter 1. It's a prayer that's recorded there in the Bible, a prayer by the Apostle Paul uh, for the people at the Church of Colossae. Now, you might know that the Apostle Paul uh, often starts his letters, or sometime in his letters, he, he prays for the people. And we can learn a great deal just by looking at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. You know, he traveled around, he was setting churches, he was placing elders, he was doing the work of the ministry uh, all over Asia and Europe. And his letters that are written to these churches uh, help us understand uh, God in a much more profound way. Uh, he, he relates to us what he knows about God in these prayers. And in fact, uh, the letters are, are kind of like instruction manuals for the Christian life. They're very, very clear uh, what Paul wants us to know. The letters would be uh, passed between churches. And so everybody uh, in that whole area would read these letters and hear uh, what God was revealing directly to the Apostle Paul in a supernatural way. Now, the Bible is full of prayers, as you read the scriptures, like the whole book of Psalms is a bunch of prayers, right? And uh, the people who are praying, they actually are in effect teaching us by example, uh, by the relationship that they had with God as they pray uh, to God out loud. And uh, I tell you what, as you read the prayers of Paul, uh, they give you a great insight into the nature and character of God. Paul was very close to God. And so when he prays, that just kind of comes out in his prayer as he prays Uh, by example. So the plan today is just basically to read through uh, one of the prayers, Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. And the goal is to increase 
our collective understanding of prayer by uh, observing how Paul prays. He prays as an example to us. I think as I read this prayer that the Holy Spirit is encouraging us to pray much bigger prayers than maybe we've ever prayed before, to see God in a new light and to pray in a much, much larger way. You may know this already, but did you know that the Holy Spirit prays for Christians? Yeah, he prays specifically for Christians. I've been thinking about that idea for this last maybe month or so, that the Holy Spirit actually prays for me. And I've been wondering what it is that, that maybe he prays when he's praying for me. You know, think about that. What is it that God uh, might be praying for you? Uh, what if the Holy Spirit is praying things for me that I would never pray for myself? That could be what he's praying for me, praying from a much bigger perspective than I even imagined or even thought about when the Holy Spirit prays for me. Um, maybe he's praying for events in my life that I would argue against because he wants to grow my faith. He wants to make me more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit prays for us. I think Paul is answering this question today. What is it that, the, that God really wants to give you? What is it that God really wants to give you today in prayer? So today I want to begin uh, by praying, and I'm thinking back to our Hebrew series. Remember, the, the only reason that we're able to walk into God's presence and pray at all is because of what Jesus has done for us. We don't walk into God's presence on our own uh, merit. We walk in because Jesus has given us right standing through his blood on the cross. Okay, that's why we can go in. And in God, our Father, the creator of the universe, he listens to us when we pray. Jesus himself prays for us as our mediator. The Holy Spirit prays for us to the Father according to God's will. Those are things that the scriptures tell us. The Holy Spirit is interpreting God's will for us as he prays to the Father. You are welcome inside to prayer. God is inviting you into his throne room to talk to the creator of the universe about the things that are on your heart. We are welcome inside to pray. So I'd like to pray this morning as we start. I'd like to start with just a moment of silence so that we can kind of collectively get our thoughts focused on God. And then I'd like to pray for us as we start this morning. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and uh, focus our thoughts as we pray together. God, we are, we are thankful that you give us all of the grace that we need to stand forgiven before you in the name of Jesus. We're grateful for that forgiveness. We're thankful that uh, you hear our prayers, that you know our hearts, and that even uh, in, our, in our weakness as we pray, that the Holy Spirit interprets for us, and so that you hear our prayers according to your will. And so we pray right now that your Spirit would guide us as we, uh, we think about prayer, as we think about what Paul prayed for us, that you'd open our hearts and minds to know you in a remarkable way. We pray all these things through Jesus. Amen. 
Today we're going to read Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, and this is what Paul prays, or is the account of his prayer. This is what he says, we, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping uh, us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given in you, given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you, and to give you spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord as you will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. <clears throat> Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Now, the outline for today is to talk about uh, three different perspectives from, God's, uh, from Paul's prayer. And the three perspectives are this. First, uh, that supernatural love comes from the Holy Spirit. Supernatural love comes from the Holy Spirit. Secondly, walking in a way that pleases God is, begins, or it's based on what we think about, what we think about. And finally, living in the light is built on a clear foundation. And we're going to talk about that foundation just a little bit as we move on. But first, supernatural love comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, most of you know that love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit that's described in, in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, and so forth, uh, those represent the character of God himself. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in us, the fruit of God starts to flow from us. We are transformed by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, and when that happens, the fruit of God's character begins to flow from our lives. And what Paul is thankful for is that that's happening to the Colossian believers, the fruit of God's Spirit is being, is being uh, seen in the way they're, they're living. Their lives are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so he begins with thanksgiving because he sees this love, agape love, that's coming from their lives. <clears throat> now, the Colossian believers uh, have two kinds of love. Uh, first of all, they have love for other believers. We see that in verse 4, praying for the saints. 
Um, but we also see that the love of God is, is flowing out all over the world. They also have love for people that are not yet believers. Paul is, uh, is, is uh, I, don't, I don't know if the word impressed is right, but he's aware that the Spirit of God is changing their lives. And love is one of the evidences, it's one of the, the key evidences that something real is going on. Love chase, changes everything that it touches. A transformed life changes everything that it touches. It's never static. It's always active. Um, Paul talks about uh, newness of life. He talks about, actually he talks about real life in Colossians chapter 3. Did you know it is God's will for each Christian to be conformed completely to the image of Christ? That is God's will for our life. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit prays for us. But, but how does this happen? And I think he gives us a little bit of a hint in verses 7 and 8. You know, there it talks about learning the good news. It's not the list of obligations, but it's the good news of the gospel um, from Epaphras, a, a co-minister of Paul's for these people. But he also says that uh, your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you, that's in verse 8. So it's not like just a natural affection that we have for people that are close to us, but, it, but it's this, this supernatural love that's in them that's flowing outward, something that the Holy Spirit has placed there. All of the law and all of the prophets boil down to this little summary according to Jesus. Loving others, loving God, loving others. In fact, uh, James would tell us that if we don't love other Christians, probably you haven't experienced the love of God himself because they always flow together. When we love God, we also love others. The Bible has this, this, this enormous eternal or, or external perspective as we think about love, loving others and loving God. The first side of this, um, this external love is actually love that's expressed toward other believers, expressed toward other believers. In Romans chapter 12, um, sometimes there are funny verses in the Bible. Have you ever heard a funny verse in the Bible? Paul is talking there about uh, the fruit of the Spirit or the, uh, the fruit of the Christian's life and the, the gifts that God gives us. And, and we use those within the, within the church to help other Christians. And he's, and he's talking about this. Um, he actually says this in verse 9, talking about Christians and their relationship with other Christians. He says, uh, don't pretend to love other people. Actually love them. I think it's kind of a funny verse because it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek as Paul says it. The Holy Spirit enables us to love other Christians. It's a hallmark of genuine faith. But then he goes on to explain what love between Christians actually looks like. For instance, hating wrong and rejoicing in what's right. Actually having a heart attitude that is for other people. Um, something that's engaged in the good, right? Genuine affection for other people is a hallmark of love between Christians, right? So instead of jealousy, it's actually rejoicing in the good things that happen to other people. He talks about pushing aside laziness and working side by side for the gospel, something that's very clear. He talks about patience in suffering. He talks about weeping with those who weep. And sometimes we have that opportunity uh, right here at Lighthouse. Helping others uh, who have needs. You know, James says, you know, don't say be warmed and filled. Actually, 
help other people who have needs. He talks about living in harmony. And then he's got like a little funny thing at the end when he sums it all up. He says this, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Yeah, that's pretty clear, <laughs> you know? It's, uh, the church, I think, is the one place on earth where people from all different kinds of backgrounds and economic stuff and everything, people that are so different from each other can come together in unity because we all walk with Christ together. And that's what Paul's talking about, this, this practical love that Christians have for other believers. Christians take time to love other Christians. That's just something that happens because the Spirit of God is flowing through us. But then there's this, this other side of the coin, and that's the love that we have for, toward people who are not yet believers, people that are outside of the family of faith. We love them also. In Colossians, we read that the gospel is going out, right? It's going out, it's going out. And, and Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about never giving up as he spreads the gospel uh, toward people who don't know God. He never gives up. Christians recognize, and 2 Corinthians 4 talks about this, that, that Satan has blinded the minds of people who are far away from him. We recognize that as believers. Uh, we're grateful because God has opened our eyes and enabled us to see the light of the gospel. And it says that the light of God's gospel is actually in us. We have the opportunity to share the gospel with other people because that light resides in us. He calls us broken vessels, you know, cracked pots, you might say, where the light of God is actually able to flow from us because of the transformation that's going on in our hearts. In fact, he says this in 2 Corinthians, we are partners with each other and with Jesus himself for the sharing of the gospel, as ambassadors for the gospel. Christians simply have uh, realized that we're recipients of the greatest gift imaginable that God has given us himself. And because of that, we don't focus our lives on ourselves anymore, but our, our focus turns outside of ourselves. We start to care more about what God cares about because the Holy Spirit is transforming our lives. As I was thinking about the gospel and thinking about the trip down to Columbia, and there's just an endless number of stories we could talk about, inter interactions with people. Uh, one that kind of comes to mind is a Venezuelan refugee that I talked to. Lots of folks have left Venezuela and walked into Colombia because of the terrible conditions in, in Venezuela. And uh, this uh, woman came toward us. It wasn't like I had to go track her down. She was coming toward us wanting to hear what we had to say. And um, I shared the gospel with her, and I could see on her face the moment that she was moving from disbelief to belief, the moment she understood before she even prayed to confess her sins and ask God to be her Savior, you could see that spark of understanding on her face. It started with a little smile. And then she prayed to confess her sins and ask God to save her. And then afterwards, we were talking a little bit, and she finally wanted to tell me something uh, before we left, right, through the translator. And this is what she said. You came to Columbia from the United States to tell me about Jesus. I came to Colombia from Venezuela to believe. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wow, uh, this person left virtually everything 
that she had behind. She left her family, every possession she had, she came basically with the clothes that she was wearing. And her daughter's still back in Colombia, or in uh, Venezuela, trying to finish school before she also comes to Colombia to escape just ri ridiculously terrible conditions in, in Venezuela. And I'm thinking about how her story represents the gospel. You know, um, you leave the, whole, the old life behind. You leave it all behind. It's all, it's all back there. And you start a new life in Christ. She's leaving, or she has left virtually everything in her life, and now she's starting uh, new in Colombia with her hope in Jesus. You know, I pray for that girl. Her name's Mercedes, okay? But uh, man, I pray for her, uh, this woman starting over. Genuine faith recognizes the grace of God and is motivated to share that hope with people who are far away from God. That's just a natural outflow of our faith. You know, um, I want to stop a moment as we're talking about the love of God and point something out that I think is very important in this passage. Paul is not giving us a list of obligations here. Okay, he's not telling us how to love more effectively. That's not what he's doing. I filled in some blanks about what the love of God is from other places in Scripture. But instead... What Paul is doing is he's saying thank you to God because the Holy Spirit is active in their lives, transforming them, okay, changing their orientation in life and giving them an outside perspective towards both believers and those who are not believers. So it's not an obligation. Obligations are pitches in the dirt. You never swing at those, right? Okay. What he's talking about here is a prayer of thanksgiving because God is at work in these people. And it's important to understand that before you move to point two. It all starts with genuine faith in the real Jesus that starts to transform our life. Now, um, we're going to move to point two, and it's this. Walking in a way that pleases God begins with what we think about. It all begins with what we think about. Now, Paul is praying for these believers, and he prays for three things. He says, um, that they, he prays that they will have complete knowledge of God's will, they will have spiritual wisdom, and that they'll have spiritual understanding. Those are the three parts of this part of that prayer. Paul is not praying that they have a good day and a nice time on vacation. That's just not what he's praying for. He's praying for something that's remarkably different than that. Now, it's okay to pray about daily things in life. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Scripture would support that. But Paul is praying for so much more than a little bit of help with daily life. He's praying for something uh, that's bold, something that's life-changing, something that's remarkable. He's praying that they would have complete knowledge of the will of the creator of the universe. <laughs> that just seems like a bold prayer to me. But that's what Paul is praying for these Colossian believers, people who have the Holy Spirit, their lives are being transformed by him. And when he prays for them, he prays a bold, bold prayer, that their lives uh, would be transformed, that, that they would have knowledge, complete knowledge of the will of the creator of the universe. Now, the word there means to acknowledge, to know something by experience. 
That's what he's praying for. So maybe what he's praying is this, that they would discern, that they would recognize, that they would acknowledge what God is doing in this world and how they fit in the middle of that because we're part of God's plan. This is something that happens more and more and over and over and continues to expand all the way through the courses of our lives. The second thing he prays for is spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. Now what's that? Now the fool lives, the Bible tells us, as if God doesn't exist. Okay, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And so maybe it's the opposite of that. Living instead, uh, seeing all of life from God's perspective. That's what spiritual wisdom is, seeing all of life from God's perspective. He's praying that they would have a spiritual understanding Um, that their minds would grasp everything there is to grasp about God, that we would have a spiritual understanding. We'd see how everything fits together into the whole under God's leadership. That's what he's praying for these people, not for common things, but these large expansive things. So we'd be changed into uh, people that walk with Jesus in just a remarkable way. I was thinking back about Paul's uh, prayer to the Philippian church at the beginning of Philippians. And he says this, I pray that they would know what's really important to God. And I think that's what Paul is praying right here, that we would, we would see this world somehow from his perspective. We would get kind of around the other side of the desk and be able to see things the way God sees them, having that kind of wisdom and that kind of uh, you know, insight into the world, that kind of knowledge. Paul is thankful for these people because the Spirit of God is working in their hearts. And now he's praying this bold, bold prayer, complete knowledge of God's will, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. Did you know that before God created the world, if you're a Christian, he knows your name. He knows virtually everything there is to know about you. He knows it all. And his will you, what the Holy Spirit is praying for you is that you become like Jesus, that you be conformed to the image of Christ himself. That's the end game from God's perspective for Christians. It's not that he isn't interested in the small details of life. We should pray about those too. But he's interested in you gaining a complete understanding of his will spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. He's interested in you becoming like Jesus, complete transformation of your life and everything there is about you. He's not tweaking around the edges. He's not looking for a slightly better version of you. He's looking for transformation according to the image of Christ. This is, this is what we were created for, to walk with God in holiness. He gave us the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of future glory, kind of a hint of things to come, the things that we're chasing after. Paul tells us this, death, life, angels, demons, fears of today, worries of tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God that's seen in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God wants you to understand him fully, not just a little bit, but fully. As I read the Bible and I, and I think about this, this whole bigger picture of what God uh, wants us to know, it, it, it actually hurts my brain sometimes when I think about this. 
that the eternal creator of the universe knows me. And he wants me to have complete knowledge of his will. He wants me to have spiritual understanding. He wants me to have spiritual wisdom. And so I asked myself, well, um, <laughs> you know, how does that work, right? How does that work? How do you gain that kind of wisdom and that kind of knowledge? Well, prayer is part of that. I think when we pray for others and others pray for us, you know, I used to pray all kinds of different things for different people. But, you know, maybe it's age, but the older I get, the less I pray about the weather. I don't farm, okay? But it's the less I pray about things that are common like that. And you know what? I often pray for people, particularly when they're having difficulties and things going on in their life. I pray this, that together we would slam into the gospel so hard that we never recover. That's what I pray for people. And I think that's what Paul is praying for right here, that we understand God in his fullness, complete knowledge of God's will. That's available to us. How do I step into that? Well, I'm thinking back to the uh, series that we just finished from, Ephes- or, uh, from Hebrews chapter 4. You know, the word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit, you know, the joints. and the- It actually exposes to us our thoughts and intents. It exposes us to ourselves. You know, the word of God leads us to clear understanding, to repentance, to renewal, to joy. All of that is packed into the Word of God where God has revealed himself to us. Peter tells us in 1 Peter that this new life that we have in Christ will never end because it comes from the living and abiding Word of God. Transformation is available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. He has revealed himself to us there. And the spirit of truth teaches us as we dive into scripture and we meditate there. Seeing God in the pages of the scripture changes us. That's the process of spiritual transformation, aligning our hearts with God. Paul is is praying for these believers for complete knowledge of God's will, spiritual understanding, spiritual knowledge. He's, He's praying that we do a deep dive into the character of God who has revealed himself clearly in the pages of the scripture. The more we see the world from God's perspective, the different we become, more different we become. We're transformed by changing the way we think. Um, Paul tells us to let the spirit renew our thoughts, let the spirit renew our attitudes. The third point I'd make from this passage is that living in the light is built on a foundation. It's built on a foundation. Now, there are a couple parts to that foundation that we see uh, in this passage. But the first is, uh, it's, it's built on the foundation of God's power in our lives. Paul prays for all the endurance and all the patience we need. Patient, endu- patience and endurance. All of that comes from, from God himself. It's a supernatural thing. Um, in Ephesians, it says this, um, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Yeah, God gives Christians his eternal power to live this Christian life. That's the source of our power. That's the source of our joy. That's how it all starts with what God has given us. I love the uh, verse 
in 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking about what happened to him in Asia. You know, he was, he was there. He, he nearly lost his life sharing the gospel there because of the pushback against everything that was going on. And he says this, we were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. Man, I have not been in that particular place in life. But he certainly was uh, facing some extraordinary trials. But then he said this, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. The God who uh, brought spiritual life to that Venezuelan woman and to the lady in the living room uh, when Steve was sharing the gospel is the God that enables us to live the Christian life, the power that raises the dead. The other part of the foundation that we build our lives on, I would, I would just use the word perspective, understanding God's perspective very, very clearly. Um, beginning in verse 12, the second half there, God has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. He's writing to Christians. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. He purchased our freedom. He forgave our sins. We share eternal inheritance with Jesus. God has rescued us from the darkness of sin and given us eternal hope. He's given us freedom from sin, freedom from ourselves. He's given us forgiveness. In fact, I would summarize it this way. We are sons and daughters of God himself. He's given us everything. Sons and daughters of God. We have a new identity as children of God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a promise of scripture, right? God has given us everything. The foundation of the Christian life is a perspective of understanding who we are in Christ. We're children of God. Nothing can stand in the way of that. I've been around just long enough to know that most people that are Christians get just enough of the gospel virus that they build immunity against the gospel. Paul is praying for this, a lifelong chronic case of the gospel disease. He wants the gospel to invade every corner of our lives and transform us. So instead of uh, living a safe Christian life, allowing God to tweak a little bit on the edges, how about this? Why not let the Holy Spirit establish himself in your heart in every way possible. Let him transform you by the power of his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, transform your life so that the fruit of love and joy and peace and all those things flow from your life toward believers, towards unbelievers. Why not uh, dive in and know God's will? Know uh, what his spiritual wisdom is understand spiritual knowledge, seeing the entire world from God's perspective and rest on your true identity in Jesus, the one who has freed you from sin 
and given you forgiveness and an inheritance that's forever. As Paul prays this whole prayer, we get down to verse 11. It's real interesting um, that there's joy in this journey. Paul prays for that too, that there would be joy, aligning our hearts with him. So we're going to end today the service the way we always end, uh, with prayer. There'll be prayer partners, they'll be in the front, and they'll be in the back. And this is an opportunity for every person in the house and everyone online uh, to pray, to pray to God, pray with each other and pray for each other. If you want to get out of your seat and pray with a prayer partner, you're invited to do that this morning. Um, Sometimes people wonder, what will people think if I get up and I go pray with somebody? You know what they're going to think? (laughs) They're going to think that person has a lot of courage and they want to pray. That's what they're going to think. This is a time for us to pray with and for each other. There'll be one more song, and I just want to pray for you as we close this morning. God, I pray for each person in this room today who's hearing this prayer of Paul's from uh, Colossians chapter 1. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, open our minds, draw us to yourself in prayer, knowing that you're a good Father and that you hear us when we pray. And so right now, I pray that you would draw each person in this room to prayer and maybe some of them to praying with a prayer partner. And I pray all this through Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.